we finally did it. Finally. We reeled her in. The get of gets Tig Nataro is oh my here. God. And what a time to be Tig. Oh, I mean, there's I mean, never a bad time. Well, I guess Tig has been through some bad times. He's been through some bad times. We, we, we know about bad times. But in yeah. general, uh, that obvious stuff aside, there's never a bad time to be Tig because she's as close to a perfect human as we've got, with, of course, the exception of Jennifer Aniston, who we yeah. talk about at length in this interview. Tig was so kind to indulge me in a way that uh, really just lit me up. And I think yeah. it will for all the listeners as well. The Aniston insights in this episode uh, will delight you, whether you are a Faniston or not. And um, if you're not, yeah. what the fuck is wrong with you? What are you why are you listening? Um, this is, she is so delightful that I'm very possibly vegan now, just after talking to her about, about health and life and stuff. Same. Um, you know, I have eaten meat at least twice a day since we recorded this so so i have not committed but you thought but more in my about mind, it while you were yeah, i thought it. a lot more about it i thought a lot more about it i've, I've looked at cookbooks Great. so we'll see that's a we'll step see. uh tig is about to be an action hero in the Zack snyder film army of the dead it is a zombie action film uh it opens on may 14th she if, if the trailer is any indication she fits so seamlessly into the world of action that it's crazy. She's like, she's in fatigues. She's, she's handsome. It's I, I'm rooting for her already. That is out a week from today. She's yeah, she's hot. And we get into that at length mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure people are already listening to Tig's podcast. If you are not, again, what is wrong with you? But uh, she hosts Don't Ask Tig, which is uh, an advice uh, podcast that she has Mm -hmm. a lot of fun guests come in um, for that, one of which she regales us with a really fun anecdote at the end of this. I won't spoil it. You got to listen all the way to the end to get that. And the other one is Tig and Cheryl. It's uh, she hosts with Cheryl Hines and it's called True Story. And they discuss a new documentary every week. Tig is just staying busy, and we love to see it. We love to see it. We'd love to hear it. We'd love to get whatever we can. I mean, I I adore her. I've never met her before, but uh, I'm, I'm such a fan and was truly nervous for this one. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You? Oh, yeah. I had met her once before, and I was certain she wouldn't remember, but she seems to. Um, she was, uh, when Rob Delaney and I had that show at UCB back in the day, she was a guest on it, and she told uh, she told that uh, Taylor Dane story. It was one of the first oh, times yes. she had told the Taylor Dane story, which is one of the greatest things of all time. And I remember so watching from the house just being like, this woman is a master. She has the crowd in the palm of her hand. Um, like just very comfortable with silence and and strangeness. And it was, God, she's good. God, she's good. She's good. She's good. I'm trying to think if I, who, who else I've ever been genuinely nervous to interview on here. Yeah, Can Sandra Bernhard. I, I oh, Sandra Bernhard. crawled out of my own skin. Um, you know, Tuck Watkins obviously, you know, sent me through. Right. You were layers. going through some stuff there. I was really, really going through some stuff there. Uh yeah, now that now this is she's she's at the top of the list, but she she's was of course of amazing, disarming immediately. She's an American treasure. She's Tignataro. I have not um, 
hugged in a long time aside from aside from my partner yeah and i and i and i think i'm looking forward to it but i also am like really curious as to the the physical and emotional reaction yeah i that i will be powerless to stop i feel like i am just going with believing that this vaccine is gonna work and um that i'm gonna take any necessary precautions like when I'm on a plane, I'm going to double mask. But if a friend comes over that is vaccinated, we're likely going to hug unless they um, really don't want to touch me. But I, I feel like I'm, I'm ready to go and I'm going to believe that I'm, you know, in, in good shape. Okay. Was there anything good about this last year for you? Yeah, there was. I mean, you know, there's the, you know, I always tell people that when my life was getting busy and, and aside from busy with work, I also was busy a lot of times in the past eight years with a lot of health issues. And there were times when I'd be in a hospital bed or I'd be on tour and I would think, ah, I just would do anything to be with Stephanie and my kids and just spending time with them when I felt good. And so when the pandemic seemed to be lasting longer than the two weeks that we were told to lock down and be rid of the virus, when it kept going, I just made a shift in my head and thought, I'm just going to live as though I have chosen this time to be home with Stephanie and the boys. And I'm going to try and make this as positive as possible. And then, and it was positive. It was hard. But um, I also, if I can be honest, really got in those moments of being alone in touch with, gosh, I have a lot of work to do on myself. <laughs> and uh, so that's been positive in, in reflecting on any sort of work I thought I had done on myself. When I really was digging deeper and considering therapy sessions, I thought, I feel like I've been going into therapy complaining about other people when I really should be complaining about myself, you know? So when you have that realization, do you double down on the therapy sessions or do you feel like you've started to do that work? Well, I just made a point to tell my therapist, I don't, you know, I think it was very helpful over the years to come in and gripe about everybody and tell sure. my my story of here's here's who I am and here's how I think I became me and um and but also this friend of mine is doing this and th my job this is so frustrating and and Stephanie and I had this argument or disagreement about this or that and but I called my therapist and I said you know what I've just been thinking about how I should probably really really go beyond the griping about other people mode of therapy. And I would like to, from here on out, make a concerted effort 
to just really look at me and how did I become me and where can I really improve myself? Does your therapist, you know, I, my, I had a therapist who once asked me uh, some, was a fan of a friend who was on television and was just asking me questions like, what are they like? You know, it was just seems so not even inappropriate, just odd. But do you have those moments with your therapist about your work? Where they, they've watched something or they are tracking, you know, what's happening with you when you are not in session? I don't know. I mean, it seems like my therapist has an idea of what I do. Well, he'll tell me, you know, oh, I, I read an article. Uh, oh, I saw you in this or that. It was, I feel like he, my therapist is like 80 years old. Uh, and I feel like he more so if I'm in the New York Times or something, he'll tell or a magazine that he read and he'll tell me that he read an article or an interview. I don't feel like he's, you know, w watching Star Trek or maybe he is. But, I, you know, there's just certain I don't think he's listening to my podcast or um, he's he might not be 80. What if he's listening to this podcast and he's like, I'm not 80, I'm 75. Um, he's somewhere between 75 and 80. I know that for sure. I would love it if he didn't listen to your podcast and only listened to this one. Just <laughs> or he's him. just such a fan of mine that he follows me to every podcast I, I go on. Yeah. He's just, yeah. He's got he's a, a Google he's alert. A freak. Mm -hmm. You know, I, and maybe I wonder if he follows you not on Twitter because you are of course not there, but I, I'm sure it got back to you that recently you were trending on Twitter mm -hmm. and that often when that happens, peop, there's an initial sense of panic because people worry that uh, that person has passed. And yeah. then you follow the hashtag. A lot of people thought I was dead. A lot of people <laughs> worried you were dead. And then, and then we, we, you follow the, the thread and you realize like, oh, Tig is literally just trending because she's hot. Because there was a picture that Netflix tweeted of you smoking a cigarette, carrying something. Smoking so, a cigar. A cigar, I'm sorry. And not just carrying something, but pouring a gas can, like a gas, like one of those big red ones that like the army would use. It's in a rectangle, that kind of, not just oh, like a, I ran out was. of gas. Not like I no, ran like out a rinky dink thing. No, 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 no. Not like I have to fill up my moped. It's like I have to, I'm fill, I was filling up my helicopter Yeah. and, yeah. Uh, and, oh, wow. and smoking a cigar. And, What's hotter um, than that? Well, uh, yeah, I was a little surprised um, because I it was it came at very odd timing because I had just turned 50 and I also didn't think that picture of me was terribly attractive. So I I thought that was really interesting. I think I look cool in the movie. I just thought that picture. That's so odd. No, great, great, great really cool picture. in the trailer. <laughs> you look really cool in the trailer. And it's a surprise. It's just such a surprise. That I'm uh, sexy? No, that you're in a zombie movie trailer. <laughs> oh, no, trust me. I was I was surprised, too. Um, yeah. And when I was trending, my wife and I are were in the editing room for this film, and my phone was going off. You know, people were texting me that I was trending on Twitter. And uh, and I was also getting emails and texts saying, oh, my God, you were trending on Twitter. I, I, I thought you were dead. <laughs> it was uh, truly everybody thought I was dead. And um, and uh, but, yeah, Stephanie was making fun of me because people 
I, I said, what am I, why am I trending? And, and they were saying for being sexy AF. And I, I, I turned to Stephanie. I was like, what is that? And she was like, are you kidding me? And um, so now she makes fun of me because she overheard me telling somebody that I was trending for being sexy as AF. That's what she heard <laughs> me say. And so mm-hmm. she says that I'm sexy as AF fuck. Sexy that's- <laughs> as AF fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's how she makes fun of me. So. Oh man! All of this right, right when you turned fifty. I mean, so were you were you having any spin outs about that that age and that number? No, I haven't. I haven't really reached a, an age that um, that's been concerning. I, I have to say, fifty though is the first time that I started to do the math and think about what's on the other side of fifty, which could. Obviously, we could all just, we could all three croak right now while we're on this podcast. It would be unlikely, but it would for sure be a huge news story if we all died independently at the same time. And then we would be trending. And we would be trending. trending. Yeah. Um, So I think I just started to think, wow, Um, I... I could maybe only have 10 or 20 years left (laughs) or I, uh, and then I think back, what was I doing 10 year? You know, when my mother died, she was 65. That would be, I have 15 more years left. I don't know. I just started to do all the, that math. And, um, I mean, I'm not a mathematician, but, um, it's, uh, there's also a chance I could live to be, 100. Stephanie's yeah, goal is right. to live to be 100 and she wants us to die together. And I'm 15 years older. So I explained that that's going to be hard because I'm going to have to live to be 115. You can do it. You can do it. I'm trying. You just never know. You don't yeah. know. Uh, did you receive your AARP welcome packet as I did last week? I didn't. Are you 50? Strange. I just turned 50. Happy birthday and to us. Thank you so much. Uh, right? And how do you feel? Uh, I actually feel great. Yeah. Are you scared? Are I, you like, oh God, I'm 50 or? No, no. I was, as with all of the milestones, like 49, I was fixated. I was like 47, 48, almost 50, 50. You know, I didn't, I, I was thinking about it the whole time. And then midway through the afternoon on my 50th birthday, I was like, this is fine. But then, then the, at, well, two things, as you said, I th- started thinking about 20 good years left. And then I started thinking, look, okay, like 20 years ago was the postal service album. And that feels like that just came out. Like that's, I don't like that. Uh, and then the AARP thing came, they said, do you want the, your free trunk organizer? I said, yes, I do. That has just arrived. I get discounts at uh, on caskets, on insurance at, uh-huh. on caskets, yeah, on uh, statins, and uh, yeah, I mean it's very weird, but like you have no choice but to embrace it, so you might as well. Yeah, I I feel the same. I just want to be comfortable. I want to be, I don't want to be a burden to anyone. I want to take care of myself. I want to be healthy, and yeah, so that's my goal. Well, you are, you you might live to 115 because you are on a you're completely vegan, right? The whole family? Mm-hmm. The whole family. 
the the four-year-olds or even i mean we're all strict vegans but they are hilariously hardcore which i aspire to and i i have had like bouts of vegetarianism and i feel like i am vegan at heart and always Mm -hmm. like tiptoeing right up to the like precipice but i don't it's like my fiance does the cooking and i'm afraid of being uh, complicating his life in that way or something but yeah is there sort of one thing that you would tell people who are like dancing with the idea but they're not they just need a little shove well it's interesting that you you're scared to complicate his life by being vegan now Whereas you could complicate his life later with a lot of health issues that eating vegan could uh, really take care of immediately. And that's what I talk about. That's what I was talking about as far as not wanting to be a burden on anybody. I want, I, I want to be, I didn't ever care before I met Stephanie or had kids to live to be 90. I was like, that sounds horrible. But I think it's because I pictured an unhealthy cranky, um, you know, in pain, 90 year old, and maybe I'll be that, but I'm going to try my best to not. And, um, I just feel like if you're tiptoeing around it or have any interest, um, I would highly recommend doing any sort of reading, documentary watching and talking to plant-based vegan people to help you make that transition because it's really, it's so tied into animal rights and cruelty and environmental issues and talk about complicating people's lives. I mean, it, it, it really, uh, makes things so less complicated when you eat that way. And, um, and if I can, um, show off something that I did in the pandemic. Oh, please. I got a certificate. I was going to ask you about this. Oh, my God. Yeah. Plant-based nutrition from Cornell's uh, online <laughs> uh, university. Wow. So, wow. Congrats. So but I'm I want to help people right like you. Yeah. I, I, I would love to um, find a way to incorporate it in my life and career to help uh, my next-door neighbor. Uh had high blood pressure, high cholesterol. Um, he was going to have to have some procedure, have take some pill for the rest of his life. And he zoomed with me every weekend for like almost two months and told his doctor to just see if he can handle it through his diet. And sure enough, completely healthy levels doesn't have any procedure lined up, is not taking any med- medication. And, um, and it was a joy to do that and watch him wow. make, yeah, it, it's, it's really, I don't know. It, it excites me. It, I've seen, I've seen results with my body and my health. And, um, I'm sure half of your listeners turned off this episode. So I no, apologize. I think they're gonna, no, I think no, they're no. wondering how they can sign up for a session with you to be, to be their nutritionist. Yeah, my God. I, what a I, fun side hustle. It, it really does excite me. So, um, um, you know, I got a, a reframe from a, from a vegan, like friend of a friend mm-hmm. that I can't stop thinking about, mm-hmm. which is, um, um, uh, 
when a person who is not vegan hears about veganism, what they think about is like, well, so what, what's ham Uh and what's a hamburger and what's bacon and what's, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And, and this guy was like, there is a wealth of food that is not vegan versions of the food you're already eating. Yeah. You know, like you can actually, there are tastes that you have not tasted yet that are very delicious and they are, they are them. Well, they are not them in disguise as the thing that you know. It's funny that you yeah. uh, said, what is ham? Um, because on a related but unrelated note, my cousin, and I hate to say this because it's an easy target about, you know, with Mississippi people, but my cousin in Mississippi, <laughs> and she's educated, and she is hip, and she is cool, <laughs> and you would want to hang out with her, and Stephanie adores her. Okay. She told me when I was in Mississippi, I mean, days before the pandemic lockdown, she told me that it was only a couple of years ago that she learned that ham was not a type of animal. Oh, wow. She thought ham, that there were ham, (laughs) you you go, you catch a ham and you eat a ham. (laughs) I was stunned. She's 30. She's 30. Did, did we do, does she have an image in her mind of what a ham, a living ham looked like? Sir, I asked her, she said she, I think it was like somewhere around, like a kangaroo looking. I was like, where are these, where are they running around? Where, where do you see, how have you never, yeah. what are you talking about? You thought a ham was an animal, right? Oh, a ham. Really um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, uh, like if, if you, if you don't care about your health, let's say you don't care about your health and you love junk food. Okay. But you do care about animals or, um, the planet even there is vegan ice cream, vegan pizza, vegan candy. There's vegan garbage, a plenty. And so, um, but yeah, if you go to the other, uh, end of the spectrum as like with a uh, whole food plant-based diet, that's, um, it's just so pure and delicious. And what's so exciting about eating that way is how creative human beings are hmm. with fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, and oats. I mean, it blows my mind blows my mind when food is not processed and it's just whole foods that you combine in these delicious creative ways because a lot of people think oh you can't be creative it has to be a um a salad mm-hmm. um or you know water and a side salad no, no. it's 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 well beyond that. No, I was just going to ask if there's like a, a good foundational book or cookbook that you can recommend. Well, I mean, there's there's a lot of like beginner vegan cookbooks, but there are um, or even about veganism. But there are a couple of books that will blow your mind. Well, gosh, there's so many being from Mississippi. I, and I don't even have to just be from Mississippi, but anyone from anywhere in the world will be blown away by Mississippi vegan. Look up not just that book, but that man's, who is a gay man. Look up his Instagram. 
Mississippi vegan. And tell me your head does not explode. And then there is also, um, there's a book that um, I, I, it's called How Not to Die. And it's a, a vegan diet. And um, I eat the How Not to Die diet. I am not 100%, but I lean as far as I can to the How Not to Die diet. And it's basically three servings of beans a day, one serving of berries, three servings of miscellaneous fruits, one serving of greens, two two servings of greens, one serving of cruciferous um, vegetables, and uh, three servings of oats. Or grains, grains. Wow. I was not expecting to go down this road, but I'm so happy we did. I am. <laughs> and I am looking, I am looking at a plate on Mississippi Vegan and my mouth is straight. I'm I mean, let, sift through that man's Instagram and tell me you don't buy that uh, cookbook. Okay. Has all of this Sorry. made you Sorry, the happening. primary chef of your household? No. No. <laughs> no. Um, Stephanie, when we first got together... It was really interesting because um, I had made a list and I'm, I was never somebody that would sit and kick my feet in the air and twirl the telephone cord and, and write down, you know, oh, my dream, this is what I'm looking for and chat with a girlfriend, a friend on the phone. But I, I don't know why I gave you that description, <laughs> but um, I, one day... Before I met Stephanie, I wrote down everything I I had to have in a partner and everything that I could not ever have in a partner again. And then Stephanie and I got together and months into our relationship, I told her that I had remembered that I made that list and I wanted to look at it. And she fulfilled every single thing except she didn't cook. And uh, she said, but I'm interested in learning. And I was like, this is insane. And so she has since that day, not for me, but she really was interested in learning how to cook for herself and now for our children. And she cooks all the time. And she is really in her Zen place when she's chopping vegetables. So does it not feel like a you, so there is a spiritual element to the fact that you wrote that list and then she came into your life? Um, it's something. It's something. Uh, it, it's something. Uh, I'm I feel lucky even in the rough moments of life and relationship. I'm, I'm like, man, I can't believe I found this person wandering the planet at the time that I am. Dave, remind me about your time as uh, the Don Draper of the, I'm going to say, early aughts. Uh, it was early 90s. Thank you. You flatter early me. Early 
90s. Early 90s. Yeah. Just out of college, working at an ad agency, going from one magazine party to another, um, you know, showing up to work with 90 minutes of sleep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Working on spreadsheets, mind numbingly dull. Um, it, at the time, I worked in in media and like in our options were, were magazines and TV and outdoor and all that. Obviously, the whole landscape has changed. And that's what we're here to talk about, Matt. Yeah. It's no right. secret. Podcast advertising, taking the marketing landscape by storm. We're hosts. Our audience trusts us to put out great content, curate sponsors right. with products or services they'll actually find useful. But as we know from our brief time being independent, the process of booking ads is not easy. It's kind of complicated. Oh, no. There's back and forth. It's hard to curate. It's hard. We are not meant to be doing that we're clearly no. meant to be hosts but we're, the good yeah. news is it, it doesn't have to be hard with gumball that's right gumball helps you find advertisers for your podcast they do the hard work for you they've certainly made it easier for us to book ads so we can focus less on the back-end work and we can focus more on making great content for listeners like you listener Gumball makes things super easy. It's so easy, actually, Matt, that it's practically, you would think, if you didn't know better, you would think it was magic. Advertisers book spots on shows like ours. Scripts come right to us. All we have to do is read those scripts, record them. They get put into the show. Um, it is it is truly time-saving, easy. It's transparent. It's simple. Matt, I'm just going to say it again. Like David Blaine, it's magic. It's magic, and it makes things easier for everyone. And what's more magical than that? So if Come you're on. a podcaster, Gumball can help you monetize your show, learn about your advertisers before you say yes to them, choose brands that are right for your audience, help you get paid on time. If you are Some an pardon. advertiser, uh, you can uh, use their their demographic filters to find the right show for you to advertise with and then scale and build your campaigns with ease, keep track of your air checks with when ad, ads go live. I mean, uh, who doesn't need to keep track of their air checks? It's so important. It is the unspoken and yet most important part of the podcasting job. And guess what? Homophilia is on Gumball. You can buy ads on our show if you have a product that you would like to sell to the affluent, to the committed homophilia audience. Um, buy ads on our show by going to gumball.fm, search for homophilia. If you're an advertiser or a podcaster, just go over to gumball.fm. Give it a give it a give it a look see, um, browse shows, discover new advertising options, list your own podcast today. Again, it's magic. Is this your card? Yes, it is. Wow, it's magic. Gumball. You forgot I was even doing a card trick. There's one thing I have to ask you about that relates to you and Stephanie, which is um, First Ladies, which is uh, mm -hmm. the Netflix movie that I'm sure people have heard about, but it's uh, that you and Stephanie have written this together, and uh, Jennifer Aniston is the president, and you're her wife. I, listeners know this, I'm a pretty big Jennifer Aniston fan, a little bit pathologically. And so, okay. you know, any anecdote you can share, any detail uh, any scrap you can throw me i'll take um all right i'll throw you some scraps um i met jen okay wow Listen. wow wow uh, chills yeah. of chills she calls her jen. nickname 
Mechie's got a nickname for her. My nose started <laughs> running at that. I don't know why. Yeah. And I have her phone number. Okay. And it's and it's under Jen. Oh. Okay. Nobody unless they heard this podcast would know who Jen is in my phone. Oh, no last name. No. No, oh, just Jen. 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 That's amazing. Um so I met her probably like nine years ago or something at a wedding and um uh what is her ex-husband justin Thoreau. justin justin yeah he was part of the wedding and so he was up on the you know altar doing wedding stuff and we had had a nice chat and she grabbed my arm and she said oh come sit with me because i was at the wedding by myself and so I was like, well, okay, Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> um, it, she wasn't Jen to me yet. Right. So um, she yanked my arm and we went and sat together. And then, um, you know, her husband was making toasts and he was really involved in the wedding. And so she said, oh, come sit with me at the wedding, at the, at the dinner. So we sat together at the dinner. And it was kind of a funny experience because I just met her and I had all these friends at the wedding that they were now sitting around us and I was sitting with Jennifer Aniston and it kind of made no sense. And I didn't have time to explain to everyone that how this happened yeah, and why yeah. we're, we're palling around. Um, and then after I got home from that wedding weekend, my agent and I went out to lunch and he said, Hey, um, Jennifer Aniston's agent called me. Um, and I didn't even have a, an agent a, like a theatrical agent. I only had a stand-up, you know, personal appearance agent, somebody that booked me at clubs and theaters. That's who I was having lunch with. He said, right. Jennifer Aniston's agent uh, called me and said that she had so much fun with you this weekend that she wanted to um, uh, just keep in touch and um, hope hope to work with you someday and and he said what what went oh before he even said that he said what happened with you and jennifer anderson last <laughs> weekend and i said what do you mean i said we were at a wedding and and he goes okay well her age and then he told me that story and i said oh that's so funny that he would call my personal appearance agent <laughs> Um, and so, um, so I had that in my head and I, I just thought she was so nice. And, um, and when Stephanie and I had this idea, I, I was like, gosh, you know, everybody loves Jennifer Aniston. This is a conversation, Stephanie, when I say, I thought, I mean, Stephanie and I talked about how everybody loves her and what better than to have a president that everybody loves you know, and it just felt like this would be the perfect project to take her up on and see if she'd be interested. And so um, I finally got an agent years later and he called Jen's manager or agent. I can't remember a- agent and said, hey, Tig and Stephanie have this idea um, where Jen would be the first female president of the United States and Tig is the first lady. And he said, um, hold on, I bet you I can have an answer for you in 10 minutes. And, uh, and he called back and he said, she wants to meet with Tig and Stephanie. Um, and we met with her, I think, three days later at um, her agency. 
And uh, she said, I'm in. I'm in. I love it. And we were like, okay. And she said, um, I'd like to go around and pitch this with you. And we were like, great. We wow. couldn't even believe we were going to get her in the room with us. And so we told our reps that and said, yeah, she wants to go and pitch this movie with us around town. And our agent said, that's nice of her to say that, but there's no way her reps are going to let her drive around and go in person to pitch this movie. Um, and they'll put a stop to that immediately. Right. And, um, and then they called us back and said, okay, well, apparently... She wants to go with you guys. Wow. And so we drove around town and uh, went into uh, studios and pitched it. And um, and I have to say, when we were negotiating our deals, we got a call that Jen wanted to get on a call with us before she closed her deal. And she got on the phone with us and she said, hey, guys, I just wanted to make sure you are both happy with where your deals are before I close my deal. And we talked to our reps and they said, um, not only is it unusual for somebody like her to go in person to pitch a movie, <laughs> do not get used to somebody like Jennifer Aniston calling to make sure the writer's are happy with their deal before she closes hers because when you're at that level a lot of times you forget who's below you right um and you'll just close once you get your number that you're looking for and then that leaves the writers and producers and other people at a loss for making their deal worthwhile and so we were we we have nothing but wonderful things to say about nobody <laughs> does Anna, oh, there is wow. not any but you cannot find, you find anybody one. you can't find it when we not were at soul. netflix pitching this we walked out and the whole outside of netflix along the fence were fans that had heard she was in that building oh i mean God. it was like <laughs> i'm not exaggerating there were like 25 people waiting outside they had heard she walked in that building and and people that were in the lobby and uh going in and out of meetings that saw her kids stopping and saying hello taking pictures and i always feel silly pointing that out because obviously everybody's a person and of course you should be nice and but there are days when you just you just want to get in your car and go home oh yeah and but that's why I guess she is who she is, which is a perfect human. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I just want to. I want to very quickly have a word just directly with the listener. Um, it, it, listener, if you've seen a Charlie Brown Christmas, uh, the scene where where Sally sees Linus and she kind of claps real small and hearts pop out, that was Matt McConkey through <laughs> that entire. Anecdote. So I just I want I want you to have a, a good mental picture. Now and I I've never seen you more enchanted, Matt. <laughs> and I want to say I hope this movie gets made. Um uh COVID bumped everybody's schedule out of whack. And so we're we're trying really hard to make this happen in this window of time uh this year with Jen. And but you know, she's very busy 
and very sought after, which she has been for what, 25 years. Um, But we're, we're getting closer. We were just so teed up right before the pandemic. And so we're trying to get back on the tee and, and not to make you jealous, Matt, but we talked to her on the phone the other day. Oh my God. How did it go? Uh, it went it went great. We had a great conversation. We were trying to get our little duckies in a row to get this movie made. So my the only disappointment for me in any of this is that the movie is not already in production. I thought I wanted I this know. to all end with like, and it'll be out this summer. I know. No, Ugh. we're we're really really working towards this happening in the coming in the coming months. But we're all we're all we're working hard. Well. My prayers are up. Thank you. So are mine. What have you been, what is the pop culture you've been consuming during this, this last year? Have you, are you like, are you a binge watcher of anything? Um, you know, I have, I have a couple of podcasts. Um, one of them is a documentary film podcast with Cheryl Hines from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. And we, when I say we talk about documentaries, there is the theme of a different documentary every week, but it's, it's, it's nonsense. It's utter nonsense. But I would say that's, I have to, and it's a joy to have to watch documentaries and docuseries because that's really what I love the most. I love informative. And if I don't have something informative, then I like devastating drama but um, I I really only have time these days to watch the documentary or docuseries for the podcast. Um, but I'm not a big pop culture person. Well, you do live under a rock, as we know. I do. I do live under a rock. It's true. Do you have a favorite person who you met once, like through that show, once you emerged and you figured out who you were talking to? I mean... Does anyone stand out? They everybody that's the that's the joy of um of under a rock is i'm meeting people in such a real way that even though the episodes online are just i don't know five to seven minutes i'm actually sitting with them for 30 to 45 minutes and really getting to chat with them trying to figure out who they are and everybody i walk away going man that person i mean lena heady from game of thrones mm-hmm. oh mm-hmm. my gosh so great tony shaloub i'm american treasure yeah i mean i i there's so many i don't even i can't even i i can't i can't i mean every episode was a gem of a human uh recent documentaries Crip are there camp. any standouts Crip camp okay did you see that not yet sir and sir Crip camp mandatory i it it bumped up to one of my top five favorite documentaries really? of all time i mean i it is so inspiring and i really i had a a serious boohoo. I was lying oh. in bed, just boohoo, boohoo. And Stephanie walked up to get ready for bed. She was like, "What's going on?" 
I was like, and I and I wasn't trying to hold it together. It just I needed to like really let my heart and soul sing in these tears. Mm. It was it was good. And of course the Obamas are behind it, you know. It's like of course you too. Oh. Of course. That's going to be my I'm going to watch that tonight. I need a good boo. Seriously, Matt. Yeah, I think I'm Seriously. I'm watching it tonight. My god, Crip Camp. Um, Crip camp. You know, Stephanie was on this show like, a year ago, maybe two years ago, and we had such a fun conversation with her. And of course, we got her side of the story of your meet cute. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's now your turn to tell the story, which I, I, I know has been told in so many formats. But if you could encapsulate when you met her, what it was about her that drew you to her well i mean it's tricky to say when i met her because um you know we were on a movie and so we we played romantic interests but we weren't into each other i was in a relationship she hadn't dated a woman before but we were really having great conversations and cackling up storms and uh, meanwhile, I was deathly ill with three different diseases and didn't know it. Just thought I had a cold. Right. Um, and uh, but I was dying. And so uh, it, it wasn't it wasn't a love at first sight type thing it, or, or a, a meat cute. But it was um, it was definitely the planting of seeds that uh, were exciting and. And after, actually, during the movie, I was starting to fall apart. My health, the the wheels were coming off the contraption. And then when I wrapped, I was hospitalized and uh, just stuck in this hellhole for a long time. And then when I came out, like six months later, like a pandemic, like I was just like, oh my gosh, I was like back out in the world. And I ran into her in the first week that I was back out in the world and our movie was going to Sundance and we exchanged phone numbers and I had just been on a date actually in that week that I was back out from being a sickly human. And I told Stephanie, when I gave her my number, I said, Hey, listen, I just went out with this girl. Um, and I gave her my number and she texted me right after we had coffee. And then she texted me saying, have a good show tonight at like eight o'clock. And then she texted me again at like 11 o'clock saying sweet dreams. Hey. And I was, and I, I was just like, I hate texting. So I know you're not, I didn't think she was into me, but I was just saying, I'm just not just please. I'm not much of a texter. Mm. And, um, and then she was like, okay, but we exchanged the numbers to keep in touch for Sundance. And then that night I went home to go to bed and I got a text at like 11 o'clock at night that said sweet dreams. And I was, and it was from Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, she's, she's good. She's good. She's real good. And then we went to Sundance soon after. And, but once she sent me that text, we couldn't stop texting. It was, uh, it was like fire. That's a pretty perfect place to have like those initial cute moments together. Yeah. Wow. 
Um, yeah. I think we promised to have you out of here like right now. So I want to talk to you for another hour, but we have to yeah. let you get back to your life. Well, please uh, consider us during the uh, first lady's, you know, press junket. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll, um, I'll pass your information on to Jen because I've already, I've clearly already done this and I've, uh, I've, I've promoted the movie and we just got to get Jen on here. Right, 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 exactly. I'm sure she's um, just exactly. dying to come on a gay podcast. Um, I'm sure she's dying to go on podcasts in general. I have not asked her to be on either of my podcasts. And if if anybody cares, my other one is called Don't Ask Tig, which is an advice show. And um, my Cheryl Hines documentary podcast is True Story. You just had such a great interview with Fran Lebowitz on Don't Ask Tig. That was a real meeting of the minds. It was, um, I'm glad it was edited that way. (laughs) (laughs) I did not get the feeling that, uh, that, um, that she wanted to be on that, but I think we got on that, on that interview, but I think we got the, the 30 minutes we needed. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, but that is the Fran experience, right? I I guess so. Inconvenience her in some way. Yeah. Well, my favorite part of the entire, uh, interview was when we were going to hang up. Well, she called in from, of course, her landline. Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I was on zoom talking to a black screen, but when she hung up, Oh God, this made me laugh so hard. After I was already feeling like, man, this woman does not want to be on here with me. She was going to hang on the phone. And I heard her I heard her say, oh, God. I just hung up the phone. I laughed so oh. hard. Oh, my God. Well, that is... That's exactly what you want from the experience. Of course, that it is, is. The, the the authentic friendly yes, experience. Yes, very much so. She didn't she didn't put on anything for me. That's for sure. <laughs> and when we log off here today, of course, we're going to hear a tig. Oh God! Oh God! <laughs> click. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying the word "click" out loud. Yeah. Uh, Tig, you are the greatest. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for uh, having me on your show. I appreciate it. 